Well, good morning, Greenwich. Uh, welcome to our psalm and study for Friday, July 24th. Uh, before we dive into the morning psalm, uh, just a quick reminder, we are having, uh, we rescheduled our outdoor Vespers service, our, our prayer gathering uh, from last Sunday night because of the heat advisory. Uh, we're hoping that it'll all work out well, and we're, we've rescheduled that for this coming Sunday night. And we would ask you to re-register uh, if you had registered before, uh, if you would be so kind as to do that, just so we'll have an, a good head count uh, for folks who are going to come. And there's information on the website about how you can do that. And I believe Joy Yates sent out a, um, an email with the registration information. So our, our psalm is Psalm 144, and it's a, it's a little lengthy, um, and it's, um, it, it, it speaks out of a context, once again, kind of an enemy uh, reality. It's a psalm of David, and so here's, here's how it reads. I, I like this psalm, but it's, you know, we have to pay attention to it. Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. O oh Lord, what is man that you care for him, the son of man that you think of him? Man is like a breath, his days are like a fleeting shadow. Part your heavens, O oh Lord, and come down, touch the mountains so that they smoke. Send forth lightning and scatter the enemies. Shoot your arrows and rout them. Reach down your hand from on high. Deliver me and rescue me from the mighty waters, from the hands of foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On the ten-string lyre I will make music to you to the one who gives victory to kings, who delivers his servant David from the deadly sword. Deliver me and rescue me from the hands of foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful. Then our sons and their youth will be like well-nurtured plants and our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. Our barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheep will increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our fields. Our oxen will draw heavy loads. There will be no breaching of walls, no going into captivity, no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people of whom this is true. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. And so it's David in the context of enemies, typically the surrounding enemy. Sometimes it was Saul chasing him, but this sounds like he's the king at this point. And, and so it's probably the surrounding nations, the Gentile nations who, who come against and, and, and would attack. Uh, and so there was kind of a constant skirmishing uh, that was going on. And so he talks about the, deliver me and rescue me from the hands of foreigners um, whose mouths are full of lies and deceitful. And so the, the, the context of Israel is that there was this conflict between uh, Abraham's family, the Jews, and the Gentiles. And over time, this, this conflict deepens and hardens. And so that by the time of Jesus, it's, there, there's a deep uh, hostility and, 
and animosity towards the Romans who, who represent uh, that Gentile world. I don't know if you heard that, that language, uh, what is man that you care for him? So there's that, that language again uh, uh, about who are we? Made in God's image, made in your image, O Lord. But it's the picture yearning for freedom, yearning for deliverance from all enemies so that the people of God can live in uh, the promised land with freedom and peace. And so our children growing like well-nurtured plants, carved to adorn the palace, our barns filled with provisions, no cry of distress. And so blessed are the people of whom this is true. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. And so it was understood at the time of the Psalms, it was that people of whom it was true were, were, was the Jewish people. Abraham's family were the blessed and all the others were cursed. And so David kind of writes out of that context. I read this psalm to, to, to be kind of backdrop for today's uh, study. And so, a Theology 202, salvation, and then how the cross of Jesus um, brings about God's salvation. And of course, we looked at how on the cross there was the fulfillment of that atonement process, that bringing back to justice, setting things right, uh, fulfillment of the foreshadowed Old Testament sacrificial system, the blood of an innocent substitute um, is, is shed a life for a life, and so Jesus' death, he is that substitute. His, the cross is the mercy seat. He is the Passover lamb. All of those realities we spoke about. So go watch the Thursday lesson again if you haven't watched that. It's so very, very important. And watch all the way. You have to stay all the way to the end of that. I want to talk briefly about why Jesus had to die on a wooden cross. Why not under a pile of rocks? That's how the Jews typically would execute somebody. They would stone them to death. You know, uh, why not with the sword? Why not with poison? Okay? In our day, it would be lethal injection or the electric chair, right? That, that's the means of capital punishment. So why a cross? It had to be so couple ideas. There's, there's a fulfillment of an old covenant prophecy, a foreshadowing in Deuteronomy chapter 21, one of the books of Moses. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. It's, it kind of just comes in. It's kind of a, a, a one-liner, one-off. But the Apostle Paul picks up on this in the book of Galatians centuries later, right? <laughs> centuries later, Paul recognizes that in the death of Jesus... Deuteronomy 21 is fulfilled. The curse, uh, the sin of the world, Jesus is cursed with that as he hangs on, on the cross. And so there's a fulfillment. Then it is to implicate both Jews and Gentiles. See, both Jew and Gentile alike ha have, have uh, sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Jews thought it was only the Gentiles. The Gentiles looked at the Jews with, with the same kind of animosity and hatred. But both are implicated. In the book of Acts, in Peter's Pentecost sermon, he points to the Jews gathered there and says, You crucified him. You handed him over. It was the, His blood's on your hands. But, of course, the crucifixion was the, the Roman or Gentile means of capital punishment. And so, of course, the, the Gentiles are implicated as well. That was the form of punishment. 
And so Jew and Gentile alike conspired against the Son of God so that Jew and Gentile alike would be guilty before God of that but then could be included in the redemption that takes place on the cross. Okay, So Jew and Gentile are there at the mercy seat uh, at, at where the Passover blood, the Passover lamb is shedding his blood. But this one, think about this one. Things come full circle. The treasonous act, the first sin, began at a tree. Adam, you may eat of any tree of the garden, but not of this tree. And so the treasonous act, when Adam and Eve took the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, took that fruit and ate, and so rebelled against God. And so the treason began at a tree, the remedy and rescue occurs at a tree. It had to be <laughs> that Jesus hung on the cross to implicate Jew and Gentile and then to execute or fulfill the remedy, the rescue that needed uh, to happen. Okay, so I want to talk briefly about the effect of the cross, the death of Jesus, on the Jew-Gentile relationship. Back here in the time of David and going back further, and in the time of Jesus, there was a great hostility and an animosity between Jew and Gentile. So we have to recall some context. The Abrahamic covenant, when, when God chose Abraham, entered into a covenant, it divided the world into two camps, Jew, Gentile, that is Abraham's family and everybody else. And so the very basic biblical framework for understanding the human family, there was two camps, the Jews, the chosen ones, the covenant family, and then everybody else known as the Gentiles, the peoples, the Goyim. And so the covenant family was called to be a light to the Gentiles. Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and through you, I'm going to bless all the people. So God's full intention was to bless the Gentiles, to bring them into the family, but but there was a process, okay? It was setting a people apart, carving them out, protecting them with all of these laws, etc., until the time when the Messiah would come, the, the son of Abraham, the son of David. So Jesus comes to be the blessing to all peoples. But the privilege and favor that God granted to the Jews turned into a sense of, of pride for them and a hostility and hatred towards the Gentiles. And so this, there, there was a, 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 a reality that was, um, th this reality of the division between Jew-Gentile was, was pictured in the temple. And so I want to talk, so from Ephesians chapter 2, uh, I want to read a, a passage and talk about what happens uh, through Jesus' death on the cross. So it's a little extended passage. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning verse 11, Therefore... Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, um, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners, there's that word, foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. So you Gentiles by birth, you were separate. <laughs> you, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel. So you're not part of the covenant family, right? You're excluded. You're foreigners to the promises, to the covenants and promise, 
without hope, without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two, that is Jew and Gentile, has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man or one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners. You are no longer aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. It's huge. The early church is trying to figure out what to do with Gentiles as they, the gospel came to them eventually, not initially, but eventually. And then they've got to figure out what, what do the Gentiles have to do? Do they have to be circumcised? Do they have to obey the law of Moses? What about the law of Moses? How does Jesus relate to the, the law of Moses? What's done away with all of these challenges, this foreshadowing and fulfillment of the covenants? And so Paul is saying the cross reconciles both, uh, both Jew and Gentile, because both Jew and Gentile are sinners, both Jew and Gentile have committed treason, both Jew and Gentile are implicated, both Jew and Gentile need reconciliation to God and to one another. And so he, the cross reconciles both of them to God through the cross. So they were excluded from the covenant without hope, God's purpose all along, from the moment he chose Abraham, his purpose was to make one family. But in order to do that, he was going to start with an exclusive relationship with Abraham, and then through time was going to develop this plan of salvation that would be fulfilled in time through Jesus, and then in his cross, he's going to finally bring the two back together into one family. The cross destroys what Paul says, called the dividing wall of hostility. Biblical scholars believe it's a reference to the court of the Gentiles. In the, in the temple, the Gentiles were kept at a distance. There was the court of the Gentiles. They were not permitted to go closer. So when Paul talks about those who were far away and those who were near, it's pictured in the temple. The Gentiles are far away from God the Jews, are Abraham's family, are close to God. And so this dividing wall of hostility, all of the Jewish regulations and, and requirements, the Mosaic law, Jesus does away with that. He fulfills the law completely, so the demands of the law for perfect obedience, he, he fulfills because he perfectly obeys. And so now righteousness is able to be given <laughs> the innocent uh, the, the righteousness of the innocent sacrifice is transferred. Remember we talked about it in the Thursday study. It's transferred. So Jesus perfectly fulfills the law. Therefore, 
He doesn't come to abolish the law. He comes to fulfill it. Now that it's fulfilled, the righteousness that God desires for his human family, not just the Jewish family, but the human family, now Jesus perfectly fulfills it. He lived his whole life so that he dies having obeyed every single word and will and purpose of God. So now the law has been fulfilled. So now the righteousness can be transferred to all who have faith in Jesus. And so Jesus breaks down the barrier. He breaks down the dividing wall. And so Jew and Gentile can come back together as the Mosaic law has now been uh, completely fulfilled. And so Jews and Gentiles are now fellow citizens together in a new covenant family. Old covenant family, it's Abraham. And so you have to be descended from Abraham by birth, the bloodline. And if you're not, then you're on the outside. Now, in Christ, there is no Jew nor Gentile. There's no male nor female. There's no, no um, free, uh, no, no slave or free. And so those uh, demographic, socioeconomic, uh, social boundaries that were in place, Jesus Christ removes them. And I think this has deep implications for racial unity and reconciliation because the original division was not black-white, it was Jew-Gentile. And so that was the fundamental division. And in Jesus Christ, he does away with all of those racial, ethnic, um, socioeconomic uh, uh, divisions. And so I'm going to actually talk more about that, I think, next week, uh, the implications of living um, uh, the saved life. But I wanted to talk about this. So this Jew-Gentile reality... So the cross, it had to be the cross. And then in the New Testament, they continue to lean into the centrality and the reality of the cross of Jesus. And particularly, what happens in the Jew-Gentile relationship. He reconciles them both to God and to one another and, and forms one family out of the former two, uh, two peoples. So, Let me close there. Um, uh, the Saturday study will we'll kind of wrap things up. Uh, and then um, we'll hope to see everybody. You'll see us Sunday morning at church and hope to see you Sunday night uh, at our Vesper service. Let's, let's take a moment to pray. God, we very simply want to say thank you for including Gentiles into the New Covenant family for most, if not all, who are watching this, listening to this study, are Gentiles are not descended from Abraham. And so we become Abraham's children by faith, not by birth. And we're brought into the family, and we thank you for that. And so we now share the covenant. We now share the promises. We now share hope. We share a Christ, and we are heirs with Christ. And so we rejoice in this salvation that you have brought about. And we marvel at the, 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 the symmetry, the mystery, the wonder of 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 the plan of salvation where sin began at a tree and salvation then is accomplished on a tree. How wise and how, how, how marvelous you are, O oh God. And so grant us to grow in this understanding of our faith and of our salvation and to worship and to follow and to trust and to obey. And so cause your grace to, to rest upon us in our homes, our church family, as we gather on Sunday morning, and we pray in the evening as well. We pray your favor 
And so for healing and strength and comfort and hope, Lord, may you be among us in the Granite Church family now and forever. As we make our prayer in the name of our Savior, Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God who brought peace to the world between Jew and Gentile, to you and me, may that God bless you now and forevermore. Amen.